Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Well, one based action jacks. Now, time out. Matt Burn on the board. SB Futures down three. NASDAQ Futures down 26. Dow Futures down one. So we've had a few good weeks in a row. Mr. Greg, uh, Greg Pappas in the studio. Um, what do you make of this? The, the jobs report, if I hear how strong it was one more time, I think I'm going to reach for the air sickness bag. It was pretty much right as sort of right where it's been, right where we thought it was going to be, right? Where, where no news is good news, Chief. Um, do you f- grab the, grab you guys the in streamers the, and, and Roman candles? You, you dudes over on the future side. Um, you futures dudes. Uh, do you ever? I, I don't. You know, my brother traded uh, a corn options for a long time, and he he really loved it over there, actually. And uh, used to be the best hours. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was it nine to one thirty or one fifteen or something? Yep. And no overnights. And you could uh, you could be at the bar easily at two. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. It was downstairs. You could be there. You know. About well, a lot of guys traded the opening and then went down and had the liquid breakfast and lunch and went down and back and traded the close. Right, power lunch. Yes. Um, you guys, I mean, in your information flow, you don't normally go through a routine where the bad news, good news, good news, bad news stuff. The news is just the news, right, pretty much? Yeah, it's it's definitely more focused on, I'd say, supply and demand rather than, what's it called? The whims of Mr. Market. Yeah. Or well, the, mar- the Fed and all the other policy and all the stuff affecting things down the line. And Yeah. I mean, we can all get irrational or, quote, irrational. But really, what we're watching for is, is somewhat simpler to understand than the various... I mean, interest rates, and, and they still affect us, but we're watching for numbers more specific than... Now, when you say the, the when uh, when I say uh, he's board of trade guy, that traditionally was did not include the S and P's. Right, the, the bonds, board of trade would be the grains and the, and the treasuries and the bonds. Well, treasuries, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Bob, I'm saying when I I was thinking back to when before there was an S and P, people watched the bonds. You watch the bonds, and you watch basically IBM. You know, that was your indicators. Other than that, you were pretty much flying blind as, a, as an equity trader. That's all you had. There was no, uh, you watched your stock and, and you watched the bonds. But, but interest rates were so high, so if the bonds came flying down, it meant the interest rates uh, were going up. And if bonds were going up, that meant the interest rates were going down, and that meant the market was probably going to go up too. Yeah, now you can have a whole bunch of fun stuff to watch yeah. right right at your fingertips. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a... <laughs> can look oh, at Twitter you, data... You could look at the bonds. You what do you think? I mean, you know, I've been somewhat possessed with this. Uh, um, what we've seen really in the last twenty-five years. I mean, and it's it, the, the pattern has been, and, and one man actually, one man plus 
other people's opinions now is it appears to be growing a little bit. It's not like I started it, but the idea... It's all about debt. If you understand debt and you understand leverage, then you can kind of piece together what's going on. Right. So whether it be more debt or double more debt, you know, if you've got a handle on which who, who gets hurt and who gets or who's benefited by that additional level um then you can kind of figure out at least the short-term plan for for some some businesses and (laughs) if you if you're looking now you know the debt level of whatever being company farmer if if you understand how leverage works sometimes that additional debt is is really bad and you'll you'll see all those who have who have just gotten you know hurt more than you'd expect. Well, some have it. It depends on. We've never seen anything of this magnitude where the differences in interest rates have affected various people, various levels of society so differently. Where the where the the Fed for a period of you know pushing twenty eight years, twenty five years, has driven interest rates down dramatically. Now, not recently, of course, but. Yeah, it seemed to have no regard whatsoever. Right, so debt was somewhat somewhat irrelevant. Uh, you didn't have much cost of well, it was for anything. Yeah, what I'm saying is that but they had no regard whatsoever to driving those lower rates through the population. It was just the top 5%. But you never you never got a break. You never had a credit card. You never got a break. What do you suppose, and I, don't, I know you probably... I'm thinking really the, the people, the, the valuations that benefited were like the California... Uh, VC types and yeah. the 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 businesses that really had access to some of that money to take some shots with it and and you get it pays off if you're if you're in a scenario where there's more money meaning printed or or whatever people have more access to leverage and then um, it keeps going so well if you you never saw Never was a long time, but you, 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 in my opinion, you never ever saw in the in seventies and eighties somebody who was in uh, a company ran the company stock way up, got a bonus, sold his stock for like a billion dollars, then six months later, like the place is out of business. I mean, Wasn't you, that WeWork? Uh, yeah. Well, there's been a bunch. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, the the, the people who never never benefited by that amount. Because you know you, nobody did that. No, there were no st- really stock options to any huge extent. But it was. This is. Uh, what do you suppose? And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you just because. I mean, one one example that jumps to mind was this company called Hopin. That was a. Uh, it really benefited from from when the lockdowns happened, and it was a virtual conference platform. Really, Hopin, yeah, H O P I N, and it. It was uh, virtual conferences. You can you can jump in there and do whatever virtually, and that was really beneficial. I think it was privately valued up to like seven seven and a half billion dollars or so, and it went from you know Zoom Lite, and it was better than Zoom, but it, very very new. They hired a bunch. That privately it was seven point eight. I think later it was sold to Zoom um, a, a year ago or. Gee, so go figure. It was sold to Zoom for fifty million. So it raised a hundred or no, I think the executive cashed out with hundred and ninety five million when it was worth uh seven seven some billion. But then 
as their cost of keeping all those people and their software and trying to grow and then the economy kind of turning against them you know they went from <laughs> went from zero to 7.5 billion you know because the california vc angel type people ran it up and then all of a sudden you know the the fundamentals turn against you and then the um you know the fed turns back interest rates and all of a sudden there's no more free money and hopping goes from you know uh, unicorn big time unicorn to zero essentially well, if you guys are fat and happy right right but that that's more you know um, a demonstration of human nature and hubris in, in addition to having the the i don't know what interest rates increased three to four times what do you what suppose the information was they were giving out to people i wonder if you want well, to it's, it's mostly i mean you can tell you can look at the if you just type in hop in h-o-p-i-n and see what see what kind of you know technology they had and how big their business was and they were valued up there they never quite got public but but yeah well they never actually got public no interesting what do you suppose i mean uh greg among some of his talents has it's a pretty interesting knowledge of the uh restaurant business if if the last 10 years since We've had people, well, the government borrowing at 1.5% or 0 or close to it, and other people borrowing at 2 and 2. If you and I owned three or four restaurants and wanted to buy a fifth and had a corporation, you know, and always had some debt and always paid on time, what do you suppose the lowest rate we could have got to, 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 uh, build, to build out the fifth? Um, the lowest? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it would have been two, but it wasn't no, thirty. No, probably five. We could have got four down to and a half. Five. Really, we could have got down to five. I would. I, I would have guessed so. seven. No, you could get seven right now. Okay, less. So I mean, a I, little I, less now. Because I, I talked to some guys who were were plumbers and stuff, and they had like you know. Now most of that's associated with I think the real estate. Okay. So. Oh, so part of it was the mortgage. Okay. Yeah. Right, so I mean that's that's kind of a different. But program. if you've got a if you've got what four restaurants and they're doing okay, the banks love you. you know, well, because I uh, I talked to some guys who were plumbers, and they had you know four or five vans. The business got halfway decent during the COVID, I guess, and they wanted a, a you know a next van and a full van. Hell, the damn thing cost <clears throat> what sixty grand for a nice one or more, maybe even more. And then by the time you Outfit it with all the tools and all that stuff and the racks and everything. You're probably pushing a hundred. Well, I think the the banks, because of Dad Frank, they wanted like a personal guarantee and they wanted seven and a half or something. So they they never they never got down to the you know two percent that Microsoft was borrowing at or anything like that. I mean they never got forced through. And some guys said, "Well, screw that. I'm just going to put it on a credit card and it's 25." Yeah, cash has cash has more of a value now. It has some, yeah, we had no value for a while. Right. So well, unless you couldn't get it. But if you're if you're looking at a time to break even or your whatever company you want to buy has a bunch of debt and you you're gonna buy it and all of a sudden, you know, you lose all that cash, you gotta take that interest rate into account because that could be some not free, but that's money that you have coming in that's not coming in anymore. And investors probably aren't gonna be so happy about that. Yeah, I uh by the way, the uh, your your buddy is that too obvious. Well, stating the obvious. No, <laughs> but the point is, is why why didn't it run down the chain? 
And how is it that we have uh, states with usury laws? Okay, I don't know. You got religions with those too. Well, yeah. But Illinois has for a long time been like 12%. I mean, I, I don't know what it has been. That's I'm talking 10 years ago. But you, the Supreme Court, in their infinite wisdom, not that these guys were, I won't say paid off, but they somehow or another, I don't know how they get these decisions, half of them, they decided that those laws were no good if the bank was outside the state. I don't know if you knew that or not, but that, that's why for a long period of time your credit cards, all your credit card bills always came from North Carolina or South Dakota. Oh, because the they didn't have usury laws. laws, but they were they were able to cross state lines and say the state the 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 law in Illinois was no good because the the, the thing came from South Carolina. Now, how they pull that one off, I have no idea. I mean, how the Supreme Court would say your your state usury law is like null and void if the if the blender's out of state. Yeah, and well, the weird part of it was just another example of human human emotion in the markets. I mean, if you <laughs> it's oh well, we could do twenty five percent interest rate. Okay, let's do it. How do we do it? Let's yeah. go there, and then oh look, I can borrow more. Let's borrow more. It's it's uh, a cycle that feeds itself, and you need to be careful because <laughs> when debt starts getting involved, the the cost over the an error now impacts you much more five years from now if you because of that uh, that compounding effect. So it's the human emotion and associated with the debt and then the interest rate makes that penalty so much higher that you make it even even bigger emotions because the number gets bigger and it feeds on it itself. Why do you suppose uh, again this is the, the news is you know stuff we talk about is stuff nobody talks about I mean on TV or radio or well, a couple of places maybe but if you make an error with debt right now, Compared to four years ago, you know your your consequences are going to be oh without a doubt would be much bigger. So obviously the market either rewards or punishes you <laughs> a well, lot more. Well, so. when somebody wings a, a credit card at you and they tell you it's you know twenty eight percent or something, or if you're a corporate, you know, getting a getting doing capex and and you need to spend a bunch on stuff, and if you're <laughs> you got much higher interest rates now, so you better make and your stock price probably higher. You better make those those decisions because those affect you, you know, more in the future right now because those interest rates are, are higher. That's what I used to do for a living, you know. Yeah. Is, is decide is decide whether we should do yeah. projects or not based so, on a rate. You can't even know how to do a net present value or a, a, a rate of return calculation now. Well, yeah, they do. The question is, <laughs> are they gonna? Yeah. <laughs> are they gonna? And sometimes it pays, and you know, the, eventually you figure that out. But your skills right now are worth much more than they were for the past... Well, they weren't worth anything for a while. So right. So <laughs> it might be worth a little more. Now. Besides, what makes you think I still have them? I said I used well, to be able to. Yeah. I, but I could learn it again, I suppose. <laughs> I, I threw out my, I, I out my uh, net present value and future value tables. So I suppose you can still find a book somewhere. You could do it on your phone. You download an app. It's two seconds. But That's not the same. The question is, who's going to do it and who's going to be right? I was always right. Well, those those people are the ones those who are the ones who you want working for you because the the effects and if interest rates keep going up, you know they become infinitely more valuable because of the compounding effect. And hopefully, if you're trading stocks, you know you've got the five to ten year horizon. Um, you know, that that just keeps on compounding. So the, even the 
the error, an error of one percent or or something, you know, a misjudgment, that's going to affect your your working capital for. A <laughs> well, it, uh, if you know, if you're that close, you should have that much of a buffer. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, what I did find when I did what you're talking about, Greg, is called sensitivity analysis. I don't know if you knew that or not. You probably did. Um, when you have a big project, say you're going to build a, a you know a, a big building with a restaurant with offices with a health club the whole nine yards and people come at you and there's a, there's a there's a hundred different things in there right there's the cost of money there's a length of time to build it there's the, the permits the weather i mean you name it there's the labor rates there's this and any other thing and uh and what you would do they, they'd send it to a guy like me and say okay do some sensitivity analysis on it and, and i what i found which is really kind of strange I, I didn't know it going in until i did about 10 of them is that if Usually, if you really screw up on one item, you know, if you have some kind of buffer in there, uh, you screw up on one item, you're pretty much okay. You know, if your interest rates are five and all of a sudden they're eight, well, not if they're fifteen, but if they're eight or something, you're probably okay. But if if you make like seven or eight little dingies, well, you're that's going to sink your whole profit margin. Yeah, yeah, you're all of a sudden, well, it'll take you f- six months to get the permits instead of three, okay. And so you hired guys after four thinking you got the permits coming and they didn't. So now all of a sudden, you're, you're not only three months behind, you're behind on your labor because people are sitting on their behind for three days, three months waiting for the permits. Uh, and then all of a sudden something else happens. And, well, by the way, you have a strike. Or if, you have, if you have like five things that give you like a 5% dinghy, it compounds way worse than one or two where you really screw up on it. Yeah. And unless you actually go through it, it's not... It's not all that obvious that that's going to happen. It's all the little things. You know, it's when it, it's one member of the wait staff not showing up, one delivery of one food not showing up, something else happening, and all of a sudden they're all little things. At the end of the day, you had a horse bleep day. <laughs> one of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It's. it's What'd you think of a uh, sensitivity analysis? Yeah, that's, isn't, that a, isn't that a great? Nobody, no, nobody does that anymore. Just saying. Hey, what'd you think about Otani's deal versus? Uh, of course, all my, my guys start sending me that he'll be not paid. Bobby Bonilla will still be getting paid past him. It'll be interesting to see what kind of earnings are deferred. What was it, 10 years, 700? Yeah. He'll probably take home around half of that if he doesn't you know, edit his his earnings or, or push it out. Um, yeah, I'd be. I think the biggest winner in that deal is probably the IRS. Yeah, they, how much they did you a think? seven or the what was it? They did a ten-year deal with the MLB in Otani for three hundred and some million dollars. Well, well, they, what's what's the highest rate? Thirty-six or something? Well, he's California and yeah, high. It's high, interesting. He stayed in California. Is it? I mean, I don't. I assume it's W two income. I mean, oh, gotcha. So he's paying fifty percent. I mean, and then California is the high tax. So. Unless he moves to Florida or something, maybe he could save a little bit. What's the highest on Matt? Why not you look up what? If you're over 100, they get, they get to 15, don't they? He'll he'll take home probably. Oh, LA, LA doesn't a, have a tax. Do there's they? a jock tax. There's a mm. there's a couple different taxes. The the people on on the internet were saying he's gonna probably take home to 33 to 35 million a year if he doesn't defer some of that. So, okay. Yeah, not that different. I mean, what? <laughs> not that it really does anything when you can. I mean, but yeah, the biggest winner is the IRS. And I'm team. not a I'm not a, a tax expert, but maybe somebody if they know they can uh, tweet us in. If if you 
defer it and say, okay, I don't really don't want seventy million a year. I want thirty-five. Well, I want thirty-five, and I'm going to take it for twenty years. At the end of his ten years, he moves to Chicago. Say, now the the next the next ten years, he's making here, right? Right. I guess right. I would guess. So he's not paying. Yeah, I I figured once that if uh, like if Phil Mickelson won, you know, a big tournament like on a, on New Year's Eve, he, he was just screwed. He had those guys. I thought it was like forty eight or forty nine percent. It was real close to fifty. Yeah, yeah. Because what it's it's the maximum uh, personal is thirty nine, and then in California is fifteen. So that's forty nine or whatever it is. No, that's over fifty. Hmm. Uh, well, I'll look on break. SP futures. I think what's the uh, uh, Matt? Real quick, see what the maximum tax for an individual here. I think. Is it as high as 39 or is it 37? So. All right, let's get that in. He'll, he'll figure that out. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, but the, uh, you know who, um, when the Bobby Bonilla got that big deal where they, they deferred all his income, you know who they gave the money to to make all the money, right? You guys from the Mets? I don't know. Who would you guess? Who, who would I give it to? I'd give it to. No, who, did they, who did they give it to? Because they were going to get this huge return. Is Merrill Lynch. No. I'll give you a clue. Bernie Cro- Madoff. Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And they gave him a whole <laughs> bunch. Of, they gave him a whole bunch of other money from. That's why those guys had to sell a team. They gave mm-hmm. all their money to Bernie Madoff. Lemming, lemming behavior. Well, you know, it's as uh, Marty O'Connell said. They knew. They knew he had a pigeon. They just didn't realize they were the pigeons. Whoops. Yeah. Oops. SV futures down two seventy five. Nasdaq futures down twenty three. We're gonna have Jan Flanagan on, but in fifteen minutes we're also gonna have a. Uh, Kevin's gonna call in for those that. In Illinois, that might be, uh, I won't say asleep, but didn't see this. You're, you may not know it, but your, your state attorney general, Kwame Raul, mm. has spent a lot of your money and a lot of time. He's now suing the NCAA, saying you can't make people sit out after their second transfer. Hmm. Now, I want to know why the bleep he's spending my money for something like that. Why does he care? And if he's going to do something like that, why doesn't he go after Major League Baseball? I mean, I trust exemption. Hmm. I mean, what... Why, why is he doing that other than to get a name for himself? It's just, it just me. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Right now. Hello, Wolfpack, Stocks, and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Byrne on the board with Greg Pappas in studio. Wait, these guys you get all these names going flying around. Right these are topsy turvy today. Yeah, John, John Flanagan and the. And a, and a buzzer. We got Kevin O'Neill calling in a bit. SP futures down two and a quarter. Nasdaq futures down twenty-two fifty. Uh, Dow futures down two. Individual stocks in the Dow. Again, nobody doing nothing. Uh, biggest mover is Apple down fifty-six cents. So that's not very well. Wait a minute. Three M's up sixty-four cents. We're in Asia. These guys have had, had a rough week last week, but they are bouncing back. Or at least the Nikkei is up forty-three, one and a half percent. One percent. One and a half percent moves are the norm over there now. Hang Seng, uh, Greg, you have to tell me what you make of this. Down another 132, 28%, 16,201. Shanghai bounced back some of 28 bucks, but still not over 3,000, 29.91. This, this mainland China is just is just dwindling over there, and doesn't seem to make any difference here whatsoever. I, I hope I hope that's true. I, let's put it that. Way. Let's just stop there. Let's hope it's. I hope it's true. Dex up six bucks. Call that flat. Footsie down 37.5%. Check around up 20.3%. So a mixed bag over in Europe. We have bonds up three basis points, 4.28. The bond unchanged, 2.26. Japan unchanged, 0.78. Friday is a way of review. We had a nice rally, up 130. S&P up 18. NASDAQ up 63. It was pretty much up all day. Oil uh, down 55 cents, 70.68, but hanging over 70. Rent down 49 cents, 75.35. Natural gas down 20 cents, 238. We've got gold. Uh, another 290, 2011. So obviously not heading for 2100 today. Uh, it's, uh, we'll see if it stays over 2000. Silver down five cents, 23.22. Copper down three cents, 
380, let's call it. We have uh, Bitcoin down 1600 bucks, 42,226. It's almost a full 4%, still high, but still, it's a big move today. And we have the US dollar uh, virtually unchanged against the Euro, uh, Euro and uh, down a little bit against the pound. For some reason, the pound is up 0.2% and the Euro's unchanged. So the Euro's at 107.6 and the pound's 125.8. Uh, Matt, we're here for Trevi Willis Sports. Kennedy's open. Uh, for once, yeah. Uh, it's currently uh, 6.37 a.m. on December 11th, 2023. As far as traffic, inbound on the Kennedy from Montrose at 10 minutes. Uh, that's just compared to, uh, I had my stats up from last, uh, two weeks ago, and I was at 37 minutes around this time. So yes, it's uh, very open right now. Uh, inbound on the Eisenhower from Wolf at 19 minutes. Uh, inbound Stevenson uh, from uh, Harlem at 16 minutes. Weather in Chicago currently 29 degrees with a high of 36 today. Uh, mostly sunny skies expected, but will be pretty cold. Tomorrow, similar conditions. Uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly cl clear skies, 42 degrees currently, and a high of 71 degrees today. Uh, yesterday in the NFL, Bears beat Lions 28-13. Uh, Justin Fields scored two touchdowns for them. Uh, Bears are 5-8 to eight this season and placing last in the current NFC North They standings. are in the wild card <laughs> hunt. Yeah, every, every year, every year. It's, it's setting up for the next year. Uh, tonight in the NFL, uh, Titans play Dolphins at 7:15, and Packers play Giants. As far as college football, the Army-Navy game was on Saturday. Uh, Army Black Knights played the Navy Midshipmen in Foxborough, Massachusetts. A uh, game was won by the Army at 17-11. That's all I got, Chief. Back that's, to you. That's quite, a, that's quite a spectacle, that game. All those guys oh, all dressed up like that and so forth. Yeah. I think they make them buy those coats. They're not cheap. Uh, if, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed, yeah. John, how are you? I'm fine, Tom. Good morning. Are you done ordering your new orange bear jersey? I know you have all the other colors. <laughs> yeah, I just I'll have you know, to make room in my wardrobe for that you know latest edition. But <laughs> you know, a guy like you, um, you could actually be one of those dudes that gets Flanagan on the back of the jersey, and <laughs> because there actually was a guy who actually his dad played at Notre Dame and for the Green Bay Packers, who did play for the Bears, named Flanagan. So it might have. You could say it was him or you, depending on the company you're with. Of course, we have the oddball spelling, so I don't know if I could quite carry it off. Nobody knows that. I know. Yeah, that's true. Well, even then, my, some of my cousins don't. It's like you say, even your brother does it, but I know your brother. I'm sure he knows how to spell his name. Yeah, this, this side of the family is pretty unanimous on the spelling, but I can't include everybody in my family tree. So. Hey, uh... Just on the the price of oil, a uh, it, it's stunning to me how well it's not stunning I guess I mean because stuff just gets to be when something's on TV it just becomes the thing everybody talks about but everybody was a gag this weekend about how inflation is falling apart because gas prices are down twenty cents why why Jen is it constantly do intelligent people I get it I get it that. Gas is probably the only thing you buy, well, maybe food, where you stare at the price the whole time you're standing there pouring it in your tank, right? So it, it, it's right in front of your face. That, that part I get. And I also get the part that it kind of permeates through the economy a little bit. But in terms of an individual person who, who uses, you know, maybe 50, 50 gallons of gas a month if you drive 1,000 miles, which is a lot, uh, you know, whether it's up or down a buck is, is 50 bucks one way or the other, which, you know, I'm not tossing aspersions like 50 bucks doesn't mean something to me it does but it bears no comparison to 
like a hospital stay or a new roof or I mean, it 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 just isn't doesn't carry the weight that people give it. But that's all. You know, are they are they too lazy to look at the other stuff or what? Uh, it, you know, it's, it's just that there's here's finally something that somebody could say is good news, um, and of course they'll make a meal out of it. But it make, means I think nothing to, to the consumer because it, it isn't being found in food or housing or anything else. And I don't see it coming coming down in those areas uh, for quite a while. So what's what's the you know what's the reason to get excited about this? I, I just well, I mean, I, I like it at three twenty versus four twenty. I mean, there's no, oh, yeah, I mean, no question about that. So well, you know, everybody is, is we're, we're kind of inured now to to the idea that um, th- this is not part of a bigger pattern. You know, this is not something where all of a sudden the quality of our life is going to improve because of this. It's going to be a continue to be a struggle and likely you know, get, become a worse struggle for most people. Even, well, even with gas coming down a few pennies, it's, it's not going to make a difference. Well, I would say that the average. Well, I don't know if you'd be the average person. If you're the average person. Who goes in and buys a new truck? Um, I actually, <laughs> I, I was party, sort of party to this story. Uh, way way back in the day, Greg, they had a they had a uh, one. The old stadium was still up, and people on the trading floors, the, all the floors, not just the CBOE. There was this big, uh, you know, some disease. Morgan Stanley. I say some disease. There was some benefit for some particular disease. I don't forget which one it was. And Morgan Stanley put this all together, and there were teams of uh, four players, and you went and played half-court basketball all day long, right? Well, until you lost two games. It was double elimination. So I sponsored a team, and uh, I had retired from my basketball. I used to play four nights a week. And uh, I said, well, if, you know, I'll be, a, I'll be a sub in case somebody needs somebody in one of the games. Well, of course, maybe... Three points into the first game, our best player hurts his ankle, so I play all day long, and I'm dying. But at one break we had, the BMW guys they decided all the traders are playing there, and they're getting those days the people in the board of trade market a lot of money, so they got all these BMWs parked in the in the you know in the downstairs in the concourse of the stadium, and one of the cars was like sixty five grand, and this was you know this is nineteen eighty something something, you know I mean and uh so. <laughs> of course, I'm all sweated up and playing ball. The guy goes, come on, get in it. You'll, you'll love it. I said, well, I'm all sweated up. I don't care. What's the difference? He goes, this this car is really nice. And I look at the thing, and it was sixty grand or something. Remember the, uh, what the hell they used to call it? The uh, luxury tax? Yeah. You, you don't remember that, Greg. You're too young. But they, they decided for people to buy stuff for that expensive, if you, if you had enough money to buy it, the, the luxury tax was like ten grand. So, so the total value of the thing is like in the mid seventies. So I go, hey, buddy, you know, this is America. <clears throat> Nobody's going to charge seventy five grand for a car who isn't that isn't nice. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> I, I said, you know, this luxury tax is more than I paid total for my first four cars. <laughs> I mean, if you walk into a place now and pay seventy five grand for a pickup and you're sixty years old, I'll bet the first four cars you own didn't come close to. To, to me, sixty grand total. <laughs> you're, you're like, wait a minute, sixty grand for this for this truck. Hey, uh, so what do you make of uh, stuff going on in the the Middle East? What do you think about these people? Uh, you know, the, for the, some perspective, uh, seventy thousand dollars in nineteen eighty seven. 
the the BLS says that that's one hundred ninety three thousand right now. Yeah, and we know it's probably uh, we we know it's probably a lot worse. Anyway, uh, yeah. so what do you make of this? These people, I can't get over the people from Congress. I mean, I, I don't I don't didn't like the performances of the the people in charge of the three big universities, but of all the people that criticize the people in Congress, do they ever listen to themselves? Do they ever have a mirror in front of them? Oh yeah, I, I completely agree, Tom. And and even during you know Stefanik's questioning of the presidents, I mean, I, it's it, the questions were crafted in a way to trap people, you know. And I I don't care how you you know who you're trying to trap if it is a trap. I mean, you don't have to to do that to get somebody to incriminate themselves. But I I think you know that the questions were I think somewhat. Well, they were they were designed to, to produce embarrassment by people who were trying to you know answer it on the fly, and I guess the most you can say about that performance, and, and I think most people in Congress would flaunt this test themselves too, like you're saying. Um, but it, it, it called for a more measured response from the presidents, well, a more thoughtful response than, than they're capable of giving. It isn't like they're anti-Semites. I, I, I wouldn't ever say that about them. Oh, I would say absolutely not. Yeah. And that, that, maybe that was the intention of the, of the question to, to drag out into the open, which I, I resent that, that whole objective. But, you know, all these gotcha questions, I think, always always are, are somewhat sinister tools. But I, I think what it really shows is that there's there's not a, 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 a real understanding of how easy it would be to answer that question in a sensible, compelling way and not get trapped in this mess that they're all in now, or two of them are still in. I would say that, I, that makes, well, John, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. That it just makes me think that if if you were to take the, the average person in Congress and submit that to the same kind of grilling about their fundraising habits and their circle of friends and things they've done in their past, you would you would have a, a much more abysmal performance. So, uh, uh, it, it isn't like this, this is you know any kind of shining light being shown here. I mean, I, I it's I, it just shows that, that there's there's little bad apples all through the place I and mean, you need more thoughtful intelligent people than they've selected for these high profile jobs but people in congress have no business you know pointing fingers at other people believe me well i don't i i just whenever you know i'm not a lawyer like you um but i would say that the uh one of the most difficult things to determine and define especially in a place that has an amendment that gives people free speech is when people saying stuff that is reprehensible to another person reaches the point of being a crime. And I, I'm not so sure anybody could define that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know, w- w- clearly if you, if some of you see somebody who's Jewish, and I'm going to go down this bad road here, if you say somebody's Jewish and you jump in front of them in the in the quad, and you almost make a physical assault. And you start screaming at them about whatever you're going to scream at them about. I'm going to say that that would be a rule violation, or maybe even a law violation anywhere. Now, all of a sudden, you say something to a somebody in a bar that maybe you'd like to take back, and somebody pulls out their thing and tapes it. I don't know that that's a crime necessarily. It's a it's a dumb thing to say, but I don't know that it's a crime to you, or something no. to get you. So I mean, that's the whole part of this. What did the What did the one guy say years ago? Your Your right to 
free speech ends when you when you yell fire in a crowded theater. Mm. I mean, uh, that's been one of the hardest things to define for for what since since the thing was passed, right? Now I'm not right. giving. And it's the right thing, right thing to cry if there is a fire. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what I'm saying if there isn't one, yeah. but but the, yeah. yeah, but the point being is, I don't know that when the, the way they asked the questions, I think they they needed to back off a little bit. And the one lady said it depends on the context, and I'm not so sure that isn't true. I mean, maybe the way she said it maybe wasn't the best, but yeah, it depends. Okay, somebody says something. Everything well, depends on the context. Yeah. That's not a valid hey, answer. That's if, if you guys don't mind me jumping yeah. in on though, the the real problem that they have, and I don't know that I. I I think somebody highlighted this during the questioning, but uh, um, but it really never got a lot of coverage. And the problem is that they're allowing this, and, and they should. They should allow free speech of any kind as long as it isn't threatening uh, other people. It's not, um, you know, none of, none of, nothing that's uh, violence towards another person. But the, where they break down is that when they want to be free speech absolutists for this one, after years of canceling uh, conservative uh, speakers on campus because they would be too dangerous um, or si- you know silencing um, uh, any COVID-19 critics on campus you know lockdown critics or, or any of that then they look kind of foolish saying well now we're all for free speech oh I, I, I get it I, I, get I think it. that hypocrisy is really the story here um, more than anything else right I agree Kevin I'm, I mean, in a climate where microaggressions, you know, against somebody in a classroom or, you know, conversation with a faculty member or something can get you suspended or thrown out, you really have to be able to distinguish between macro and microaggressions and, and, and look to see if maybe you've kind of made made a problem that didn't have to be a problem. But, but their extreme sensitivity about some stuff and their lack of sensitivity about others is what's, what's really galling. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's aporious. I mean, you're right. They probably how many people either not given a job to and the faculty or something else because they don't want them saying what they... It, the whole idea of a campus is you're supposed to be able to put ideas out there without offending people. Isn't that the idea? Mm. Well, or, or, or and even if you, you offend, offend people, people, you're still supposed to be allowed to put yeah. ideas out there. Yeah. Well, I don't mean... I don't mean offending people because of they don't agree with you. I mean offending them personally, where you're you know you're costing people on the on the quad and that kind of stuff. I would I would I don't want anybody doing yeah, that. No, you don't get up and get in people's faces. That's inappropriate. You don't you know all of those kinds of things um, that it, it, that over the last month or so have been allowed to happen. By the way, but that's but you know that you, you need to draw a line somewhere. But hey, if someone wants to uh, um, you know again. You know what? What do you allow? What do you say is a bridge too far because you're, um, because because you're you're just uh, upsetting people. You're uh, attacking people at their core, and then you turn around and say, "Oh, but not in this case." Um, I, I expect some consistency, especially out of the academic world, uh, because um, you know these are supposed to be the people who are all about free speech. And and they're not. They're only about their free speech. How do, how do these right. how, how, how do these people get these jobs? I mean, are they are they really qualified? Or, I mean, I, I, I sent out a, a uh, I'll ask you guys now. What 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 was the history? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know it. You know, some place like Notre Dame is a sleepy little Catholic place. You know, I, they have their intrigue, I'm sure. But what what was it like during the 20s and 30s at these high end Eastern 
I'll call them waspy institutions. What, what did they think of? What did they think of? Uh, you know what Hitler was doing in the thirties. What did they think of what was going on in this country during the Depression? I have no. I, I have no idea what the what the long term attitude of those places are towards Catholic, towards Jewish people, towards whatever. I mean, I, I mean, it, well, I'll tell you what is. I'll send out this uh, Niall Ferguson article from yesterday that I, I read this morning. That really sort of details the uh, you know the emergence and, and the the history of the academic world in Germany as the Nazis were coming uh, to rise, and and where the intellectuals came in and out on that too, because um, I I don't think anything's changed, and I think that's really the point of the uh, point of the article. What give us give us a Cliff Notes version? What does it say? that basically uh, there was a lot of deep-seated uh, anti-Jewish sentiment then and so they were willing to go along with the Nazis and they were willing to try to intellectualize it as part of how they did it. I mean it, it's, a, it's a lengthy article so I really can't do it justice in, in the moments we have, especially because you have me on to do something else and I have to get out of here at the top of the hour. All right, so. I got, give me, let me one more, more comment. You know, a lot of uh, what the particular hatred that, that they uh, well, Hitler and his gang pushed toward the Jews. A real lot of that, Kevin, w- might have been just you know hatred towards Jews, but a lot of it was, I use the term, displaced aggression. We didn't lose World War One because we lost it. They made us lose it. You know, it, it a lot of it was that, on top of probably a dislike well, to start with. Whatever, but that's yeah. easier to believe, depending on your point of view about that that group of people in the first place. All right, so and and and, and do understand colleges in general, you know, the whole fraternity system. There's a whole exclusivity that is built into many many institutions. Um, you know, and and they're you know all of student life is built around that, and then the clubs that are moderated by um, uh, professors. Uh, you know all of those kinds of things. You're getting a whole point of view that is getting consistently pushed throughout the whole curriculum, including the student life curriculum. Well, how is it that we didn't have any of that stuff? Did that make us worse or better? I don't know. I'm an advisor to a group, and I don't push anything on them. You're not you're not pushing that the Bears go on a wild card. Um, well, <laughs> you know, I, I I do tell them that it is unacceptable to wear uh, Southern California's uh, jerseys. Okay. But other than that, yeah. All right, so. Otani, what what what, what I'm what I'm trying to get Kevin to talk not so much about the contract, but as I've talked about a bunch of different times before, you do that as a team, or as a player, you have to have a view of what the next ten years is going to be like. Uh, you know, if there's rampant growth, rampant inflation, uh, seventy million ten years from now for a superstar could be could be, you know, whatever, a, a penny on the butt of an elephant, or you know, Otani's situation he's got to be careful he doesn't sign a magic johnson deal where, where all of a sudden he's the he's the you know the hundredth best paid player six years from now yeah the magic johnson's contract was eyebrow raising when he signed it and five six seven years later it wasn't no so what what do you think they're betting on are they betting on the cable their cable being played in japan is, is it it's, uh, it's not the cable now every it's streaming platforms okay so it's, it's not cable as we know it um, but it's the ability to sell their content, yes, in, in those countries where, you know, it would be like, um, you know, if, if basketball were uh, bigger in Europe than it is here, 
And so, uh, um, and then all along comes this Michael Jordan guy, and uh, everybody wants to, uh, you know, wants to know more about, him. Uh, or, or probably better still, um, uh, Yao Ming, you know, uh, the, the broadcast rights back to China when he was a star, because he was a, uh, a BFD in China. And so whatever you could do to, uh, to broadcast back to there made it worth it to pay him a fortune. And, and I, I think it's the same thing with Otani. They all think they're going to recoup it in all kinds of ways not related directly he, he, to baseball. Pardon my ignorance, but he's Japanese, right? Yeah, he's Japanese. Okay. So they're thinking they'll be streaming either cable or however you get there. In other words, people will pay to watch the Dodgers in Japan because he's on the Dodgers. Yes. Now the Angels... Absolutely. Now the Angels had none of this, didn't think about it, Uh what, what, well, I, I think the Angels didn't have to pay as much when uh, when the first contract came out, so uh, they were competing for this. They were trying to re-sign him as well. They didn't just let him let him walk. Um, they were among the teams uh, trying to bid on his services. But you know, it, look, there, there's a number of factors from his point of view. He wants to be on a winning team. He wants to be on a team that has a chance to go to the World Series. What's and, the nature uh, of the luxury tax? Is in baseball to where now? Are they going to have to drop five other guys? Are they going to be just as crummy as the Angels have been the last time? I doubt it. I, hey, once you're over the luxury tax, you're over the luxury tax. You know, that, uh, that, that has not been a problem for the Dodgers for years. The Dodgers okay. have been totally willing to exceed it, and now they're just exceeding it more. Okay, so what do you, what do you, I, uh, from a baseball perspective, they're going to pay him, they said they're going to pay him 35 mil as a designated hitter and 35 million as a pitcher. I think the thirty-five million as a pitcher with already two arm surgeries is kind of high, but that is suspect, isn't it? And I don't know about thirty-five. If, if all this other stuff wasn't in play, I wonder about thirty-five million for a DH as good as he is. Yeah, and and I think as you said, you look down the road and say, well, maybe uh, maybe eight years out that'll be cheap, but also maybe eight years out he's not going to be the player he is today. Well, we'd probably still be pretty good, I would think. I mean, how old is he? Um, good question. Because uh, I don't. He, he played professionally in Japan for quite a while. So, O H T A N I. I'm going to say he's 27. Uh, you you want to say that, but he's 29. All right. Well, it wasn't like I was. He's 35. Or yeah, something. he's right in the prime of his career. But yeah. you know, but he's going to be you know six years out. A 35 year old Otani may not be nearly the same guy. What do you mean? We're better now than we were when we were 25. Yeah, you know, about 35 was when it started to be a little bit dicey going from first to third on a single. Uh, I would say you're right. It's going to be a long single. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were stages of this, Tom. You know, the first one was, you know, you used to go in standing up, now you have to slide. And then all of a sudden... You don't want to slide anymore. You find yourself being out every once in a while. And then you find yourself getting halfway between second and third and saying, what in the hell was I thinking? And yeah. then finally you just stop at second. <laughs> the best example of that was uh, your, your, your hero, uh, Paul Canerco. I'm sitting at the Sox game and he, he hammers one, just hits his aspirin tablet, come, goes off the wall in the left field, hit the wall, you know, just was out there in a second. A couple hops back. He jags down to first. He never even att- never even turned. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul Paul Canerco was tall. He was lean. He was in shape, and uh, uh, and you know, well cut and everything else. And he is the slowest in shape man I have ever seen. It wasn't a catcher. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, Herman, Ed Herman, who was incredibly slow too, but Ed, Ed Herman wasn't built like Paul, uh, you know, Paul Canerco. Paulie was, uh, you know, he, he was lean. He looked like he was going to be fast. He just wasn't. I know you got a dash, Kevin. I got a great line from one of the guys that used to trade in the OEX pit. What was the guy's name? Bill. Comes by, he's a tall guy, he used to play basketball. So he comes by, and Ronnie, who stands next to me, says, Bill, how's your basketball game going? He goes, Ron, I'll tell you, it's like this. I'm I'm what they call deceptively slow. <laughs> it, and Ron goes, what does that mean? He goes, I, I look slow, but I'm really a lot slower. <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on Wednesday, let's take up this lawsuit, uh, yeah. because that's, that's why you had me on today. We're yeah. not getting to it. Uh, do know that it was filed in West Virginia. It was filed by the West Virginia, and then you have six other uh, um, states who just said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm in. We're talking about this Kwame Barul and six other states. The, yeah, uh, but I don't, I don't think he's the lead on it. No, but hey, I, I gotta, do have a question for you real quick. According to our rule in the coalition, the one-year waiting period constitutes... 20% of the total time allotted by the NCAA regulations for the completion of college athletes' full eligibility, and as such, could prove devastating for athletes. Do you lose the year you sit out? I don't think you do, do you? Oh, yeah, you do. It was always, you have five to complete four. Okay, so he's right, but now, you, now you've had six or even seven or something. Oh, yeah, so the exceptions to that are the COVID year, which is washing out of the system now, and uh, and occasionally somebody would get that last year after having two season-killing injuries. But that was, you had to apply, and that was handled on a case-by-case basis. All right. All right, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, this is pretty interesting. Um, going to go to break here real quick, be back with John. SB Futures down 4, NASDAQ Futures down 34. Not doing much, slightly down, but not down enough where we can't come back. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. 
For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Hopman up front of the board. Greg Pavis in the studio, Jen Flanagan on the phone. So, Greg, what would happen if one of your exes uh, walked into your place over at Sirius? Would you, like, run around out the back door? Or you'd say, that's all, happened. And all my gin joints in all the world, why is she doing this? That's happened. When was the last time you heard a bar John referred to as a gin joint? Here, let me get, let me get, him, get him on real quick. The, uh... The, uh... All right, there she should be there now. Who you got? <laughs> we got to go between two audio signals at once. So we got John now. John? John, we got you? Yeah, I'm still here. There we go. All right, we have uh, When was the last time you uh, referred to a bar as a gin joint? <laughs> <laughs> Not being a gin drinker, I'd never considered any of them gin joints. I used to like gin and tonics way back in the day. Somehow we, I, I moved to vodka and then I didn't. Then I started doing, t- stopped doing the tonic thing. But you know, I stopped doing tonic is when Canfields get bought out. Hmm. I haven't had a tonic yeah. and a ginger ale since because those are my favorites. How's that for being vindictive? <laughs> it was good stuff. Yeah, it was good stuff. Another family-owned place that got bought out, and the rest of the family said, "We'll take the money." See ya. The uh, anyway. I wonder how they're doing on that trade. You know, it was they got bought by Schweppes or Canada Dry? I forget. Hmm. Well, Schweppes. Schweppes tastes good, that's for sure. Maybe it was the same. Uh, they had a they had an unusual way. The, the carbonation just tasted different, didn't it, Jen? Yeah, it was. Well, it was, it was more, you know, kind of aggressive. I thought. Yeah, it was almost. It was, yeah. we just if you had that, the other stuff just didn't taste the same. It was anyway. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you make of? Uh, um, well, all the stuff we're talking about. In the last week, we talked a lot about the, uh, uh, you know, the. Uh, Paper written by uh, uh, what's the guy's name? The uh, Stockman. Stockman and and the plan for the Fed for the last twenty years to essentially accelerate asset prices over individual people's stuff, and that's pretty much I think what they've done. And the market move over the last six weeks, I think, is absolutely or make that five weeks since the Fed talked, absolutely them telling the world we're back on that plan again. Even though I get a lot of disagreement with that, I'm telling you, that's what the dude said. We're back on that plan. We're going to have a, a 4% inflation. We're going to tell you it's 2. Um, and we're going to increase the money supply by 5, starting probably a year from now, after we hold it steady for a little while. And then we're just going to go right on the same plan, and we're all going to be okay. I don't know. I mean, Carl, Russell, nobody seems to think they're going to get away with it because this inflation is too entrenched. And I... I think that there's a there's a shock value to this, John, and, and I hope you you don't you don't get shocked in the sense that you can talk about gasoline prices all you want. The problem comes is all of a sudden you go for a, an MRI and they want six grand or some incredible number for you know half hour in the machine, or all of a sudden you need a roof and instead of being five grand it's fifteen, you know, or something like that. I mean, I don't think I I, I don't know if people are even set up for this because why would you unless you get that that hit first. 
I don't I don't see things like that moderating Tom. There's, why would they? I just I don't think there's any reason for it to happen. And this run up, you know, the, the, in, on Wall Street or or in selective stocks, um, to me is just well, if if you ever believed in a soft landing of any kind, how could you have a soft landing if you're you're just going crazy with your altitude? <laughs> well, I mean, it, that, that's the whole idea. Is 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 you can't cause a recession bad enough to where it really affects the companies that but the narrower and narrower bunch of companies that are going up. Now I don't know what kind of recession you'd have to have where Microsoft couldn't just say we're raising prices ten percent and get right around it. I mean I, we've got these places that are so big you almost you almost in one man's opinion you can't go by them. I mean you know Kevin you know will always argue and he's always right in in a certain regard when it's easy to argue with Kevin because you can both be right. I mean, he's he's correct that if, like, a Microsoft Office or something as basic as that, you know, he finds ways around them. There's a Google thing and there's some other thing. I mean, he, he knows that stuff. But I also know, working in a small office, for, him to, for us to bleep can all the records we have on, you know, Excel and stuff, and, if, you know, we're not going to do that for another $10 a month. I mean, I don't think most people will. Where you, you can't even open up the stuff you've done for 15 years, right, or 20 or however long Excel's been around. So I mean, there's an incredible monopoly power among. I'm going to say, what, what about Adobe? How many people can can have an office without Adobe? Mm. You know, I mean, I've been Matt Burton. You, know, you should be talking about this because you know more. I don't even know what the thing does other than everybody's got it. So well, I, there's many different software within the Adobe uh, yeah. uh, platform. There's, you know, uh, Audition, which is for sound. There's uh, Premiere for video, After Effects, and that's just like, you know, a couple of them. There's at least, you know, 10, 20 uh, different software within the uh, the uh, suite. But I'm saying these people are so ingrained that they're they're not, those prices aren't going down because they have, I mean, the, the definition of pricing power, you know, kind of goes back to Economics 101, the definition of pricing power, monopoly power, whatever it is, cartel power, is if you raise your prices 10%, your prices, that, that your income goes up, you know, appreciably, goes up more. Where other places, you wouldn't sell anything, right? I mean, if, if, somebody, if somebody showed up at the, at the grain floor and wanted to sell his corn at 5 bucks a bushel and it's trading 480 guess what? He doesn't sell anything, right, Greg? So his, his income doesn't come up, go up at all. So, but, but if you have monopoly power, you, you, you actually, if you raise your prices, your revenue goes up. You sell calls. You sell calls, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, see, he's always got to go technical and complex on us. Um, but, John, I, I don't know that, that, that the knowledge of this is working its way through. And, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't get any worse but, or even gets bad at all. But you, but you can't just keep glossing over you know, the numbers as they're coming out. And the, the numbers are that the people in the bottom end aren't keeping up. And that's, you know, it, it, maybe we get away with it for another 10 years. And we have the most stratified society. But does anybody have a, a clue as to why the crash of 29 happened in October of 29? Why did it happen in 28 or 31 or 30? I mean, I, I have no idea. And I've read about it as much as I can. Do you have a clue? I mean, is that, why, why do things happen the day they happen? I... And one of the problems now is we're almost a hundred years away from that crash, and I really think there's been a loss of kind of interest in 
the lead up to, to the 29 crash and the, and the horrible aftermath. And people are, are now pretty much detached from it. People who lived through it, you know, who were of, of an age to remember it are gone or, you know, can't remember it. And we've got a whole crop of, of thinkers now that are, you know, it, it's why we had the crash of 29. They had forgotten about the crash in 93 or the crash in 73 or the crash in 37 or 57. Or, all, all of these things were, you know, minutely recorded and talked about it. There's, there's lots of, of access available to find out exactly how it all happened. But there is very little interest in talking about it or thinking about it after you, you think you've recovered from it and you move on to the next phase and you think you've learned something and of course you haven't but there isn't any any curiosity about it anymore at all and I, I'd like to know more I mean I've tried to pin down is, is there a particular you know moment you know a tipping point and it's it's too hard to confine it to a, you know one country or one industry or anything else but it was you know a perfect storm certainly and it, it was you know it should have been cataclysmic enough for us, us to learn from um, but then we fought a war and the war seemed to fix everything and you know continued to fight wars and didn't pay attention to what we were doing by fighting these wars and now we're, we're still fighting wars and we don't you know it now we've completely forgotten that institutional memory that we once had if we ever had it and I, I think we're, we're going down the same path I, I just think that you know I don't see this you know continuing beyond 2024 2025 was that a huge readjustment and I, I, I use that term because I don't know what it really means or refers to and I'm afraid if it's you know yeah, I'm, 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 as, I'm afraid of it. Go ahead, as an outsider to to your world here in in equities I think you're kind of being unipolar in that when when you look at crashes you know the, the equity markets that's not it you know, even bigger markets like currency markets and bond markets, there, there's wild fluctuations going on in, in those all the time. So, and when you say crash, I mean you got to. Well, when you say wild, right. yes, we've been going. You're right. Yeah. Well, we've been going crazy on uh, the bonds. I mean, it's an it's an easy mark, you know, and it, it got headlines, and people thought that was you know the trigger for for what what followed. It, it really wasn't. I mean, it was it was a convenient marker for people, and you know it's okay to just you know frame a, a story around that event because it did you know sh kind of shatter people's confidence. But it wasn't really you know what what triggered anything. It was a, it was a symptom like like other things. Well, Greg, well, you just mentioned the bond market. What do you what do you make of of the fact? And I'm not you know I'm just lobbing this one out to you since you brought up the subject. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, widen your definition of crash. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. in terms of uh, notional value, the currencies and the bonds are way bigger than the well, stocks. Well, I'm talking about general. Well, if you want to go down that road, the biggest, the biggest thing out there I mean, is, ho is housing. We had a crash in the bonds. No, is, is housing. Yeah, we had a crash in housing. No, what? Well, housing prices are higher. They're, they're, they're still at record highs. There's no crash there. Well, I'm saying. Uh, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah, we, and, and, we, and we're probably higher now than we were then. Or not 10 years, 15 years ago. Yeah. Was, yeah we're so. higher now than we were then. But, I mean, what, what do you... Let me ask you a specific yes. bank question since you brought it up. Uh, Jan, feel free to opine. What do you, what do you think of the, the fact that people have so many... Fortunately... Starting a story in the middle. Fortunately, 
a real lot of people who buy the longer term bonds, both government and uh, company, people who buy that stuff generally uh, are in that we're going to hold it to to the end piece, which means that they are not forced to to, uh, to market the market like everybody else in the world is, like we are. If you buy a thousand shares of IBM, yeah, right but, now, but they, okay. So what? What do you? If it wasn't just it's it's still, still crashed, okay, but wouldn't look good. All right, but I'm saying what it, they've not they've not had to recognize that of any stretch. Where if it was all of a sudden, if IBM IBM's trading, uh, what the hell is it? Uh, IBM is at 162, and I'm not predicting this at all. I don't think IBM is a stock that people have a whole bunch of margin on, but maybe they do. Uh, if all of a sudden IBM's trading 120, and everybody who has a has a margin loan on IBM has to now either send in more money or sell more IBM, that that's what causes big crashes, right, Greg? I mean, yeah, this this hasn't happened in the bond markets because the insurance companies and the banks and stuff that hold a lot of this stuff are not forced to do that. And as long as they don't have cash flow problems, they're okay. Right. But, but if but you when ha- we're looking for crashes, we need to we need to say, okay, there's four call it four asset classes or I don't know, right? Well uh, the, the where what's what if which one affects which which one's crashing right now and what's affecting or what where's that impact well, let's let, let's turn the turn the definition the bus def, the bus definition around. Right yeah. now, we have we um, just saw. Well, we have a, we have. In, if you look at people's income, okay, the in the income of the extremely large percentage of your population doesn't match the prices that they're paying to the point where a real lot of people are gagging. I think we all agree on that. Yeah, someone I think Yet the, released that article yeah. saying it was like the feudal society. You know, the, but now, but then you have inequality this. is similar to when they pulled out the guillotine. In yeah, France. but now, but now you have the idea of the wealth issue. The wealth issue: if people just look at the quote value of their house, value of stocks, and value of bonds, even though you say you're right, bonds have come down some. A value of a uh, come down quite a bit, actually, depending on when you bought them. Right. Uh, so what's but, the next crash? It's not going to well, be. I'm saying it might be bonds. Okay, but now, but still, they just take turns crashing. Okay, but the the entire wealth number is still at a record. From what I read last week, anyway, it might, maybe it's, if it isn't, it's real close. So how, those two numbers, which John and I are talking about, well, you're saying real wealth isn't there. It's just well, no, it's real. If you can, if you can sell it, I mean, it's real to you. You can sell it, right? To the to the uh, population, you're saying the real wealth number is is not. Uh, if, if if somebody is a family of four and they've got a million and a half bucks in their IRA or their 401k, and they could flip it tomorrow to a money market. I'm not saying they should. It, it's theirs. It's real. Right. But the question is, is those numbers seem to be on different paths. And what John and I are talking about is that's happened a few times before, and every time there's been somewhat of a, a nasty uh, oopsie because they, they're growing apart. And, and what I'm saying is, you can't name the day. You can't name. The, I'm, I'm going to say the single biggest time in this country where there was a there was a bigger gap between the haves and have-nots right now is probably in the end of 1929. And right, so if they their job is to make sure that they're not over super overweight at anything. Yeah, meaning hopefully you've got a a, a mix, meaning real estate or whatever their house their 
insurance, their stock, their whatever, right. so where they don't get dinged too badly on any specific thing. But if you've got it all in stock, you know that's the the whatever the VIX is. Or, you know, you got to be expected to go down that twenty percent next year. And what if you got a house that's up one hundred and fifty grand in five years? Right. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, if Could you be. say where is going the crash going to be, it's probably going to be in one of those. But you know, you never know. But you're, the job of the individual is to kind of try to balance out that risk. Well, but I, I think um, John, we listened to what Carl and, and Russell and the rest of them say are economists. Is that as a Federal Reserve? You can't lie to people so much that you, if, if you have an interest rate below the inflation rate for some people, you're, you're going to, over, over, a, over a pattern of a few years, you're going to elevate the wealth of those people so much higher than the people who can't borrow at that number that you, you just accelerate right. the problem. It, it's, right. it's, it's a made, for, see, I don't, I don't remember, Janet, you, you tell me. I don't, well, we talked a bit last week, Greg, I don't know if you heard that, but about how some people have a view of money so totally different than the people you and I know. I mean, the, the lady who traded the $2 billion from Las Vegas sand at a 56 PE to buy a basketball team. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean she, it seems logical. Well, it, I'm saying at that level, you're, you're trading one for the other. I mean, if Audrey, she'll be on. I'll let her talk I for mean, herself. I mean, 50 PE is pretty high. You could you'd get a chance to buy a trophy that no one else into a club, and it only costs yeah. you, you know, four... But I mean, than, it's it's nobody even knows ten percent of your net worth. Yeah, but nobody even knows what. what Why not? Too, too, like Audrey will tell you that a lot of her, her house sales lately have been people who bought a home for one hundred and thirty, live there twenty years, and sells a place for four, and they go buy a townhouse for four. It's it's trading dough. It's 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 it, in or the people that I know from some of my friends that have you know kids that have married people or have people have money. Some people have a. A hockey budget per kid that's seventy grand, and other people are, are you know, are, are got the calculator going in, in, in the in the you know in the Myers on Sunday morning. It's, it's I don't remember that part in, uh, in in the eighties, John, where so many people had so much dough it didn't even seem like money. Do you? No, no. I mean, no people people lived you know within means that were appropriate to their lifestyle. They they didn't struggle. Pretty much. I mean, I, in my recollection, I don't. I didn't see a lot of struggle to get by. I'll, I'll tell you an example, Tom. When the, the 1930 census data was declassified in 2002, I was absolutely flabbergasted when I started going through it because, for the first time, the census had asked homeowners to put down the value of their homes, and if if you rented, you had to put down the amount of your rent, and this had not, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the, the question of housing value had ever been asked for in a census before that, and I don't think it's been asked since 1930. But when I started going through this stuff, you know, just family history, places they lived at, I, was, I couldn't believe the values people were placing on their homes. Uh, and this is after the crash. You know, the crash was in, in October, the census was in the spring of 1930, and people unbelievably inflated prices for their homes and this was just you know put put down a number it, it wasn't like people i don't think had appraisals or anything to work from that wasn't what the census was looking for but the fact that they asked the question makes me think that they were they knew that you know this hadn't happened yet the run-up in real estate was still going on in 1930 but when you yeah, get in the, the real in the real other than the, the crash 
Well, the stock market was October 29, but the, the bank panics wasn't until 32, right? Right, and and you know when people were you know mass foreclosures, bank failures, and you know people out out on the street, that didn't happen for a couple of years. And when you look at the 1940 census, um, which asked similar questions, but not as not quite the same as the 1930 census, but it does ask for people's rent um, per month, and it's it's in almost every case it's at least a 50 percent drop for the same properties if people were living in the same neighborhoods or even in the same building as they were in 1930. Wow. They were paying less than half of what they were paying in 19... In 1940, they were paying less than half of what was they were there, paying in 1930. I know my, my grandparents used to tell me that Grandpa bought the house a month before the crash. Now, did, were there even mortgages back then, or would you, how did you buy a house? Yeah, they were, but they they were not amortized over like 20, 30 years. They, they were balloon payments you know quarterly payments uh, with a you know maybe a five-year term and you, you came up with money you saved a bunch of cash and threw it against the mortgage it was very different before the crash um so you know it it, it, it didn't require you to think oh i'm going to have this house for 20 years until i pay for it no it wasn't like that at all you you usually have five maybe ten years but usually less than that to pay the thing off well, they never lost the house. I mean, somehow or another, they they kept it. I don't know. I never got into the detail of it, but uh, somehow they kept it. They never. I mean, they had. Uh, he ended up getting laid off by the railroad, but not for a while after. I don't think, because he ended up becoming a peddler or something for a while, because uh, he refused to go to a soup line. And they had, you know, other people in the family had been, were working, so you know, it's it's something, you know. And, and uh, somehow they managed to to hang in there. I don't know how the hell they did it, but they did. Maybe. Yeah. Well, my, my maternal grandfather, you know, he worked for the Grand Trunk um, as a switchman at the end of his life. He died in 1932. Uh, my grandmother and her three kids were kind of able to hold the show together for about a year or so, and then they were foreclosed on, and they had to, you know, find an apartment in a cheaper neighborhood, um, and it was a struggle. I mean, my mother really never wanted to talk about it very much. I could tell how painful it was for her to remember it. But it was typical. You know, there, there was nothing unusual about their story. Um, the, the play out of that all through the 30s, you know, wages did not bounce back really until the war. Oh, yeah. Um, I know our restaurant um, was kept afloat by maybe five or, five or seven uh, customers came up and they they privately did it together and he didn't loan with with like his top i think seven customers or something and they kept the restaurant open but how many people it were was in there all on a private daily? though it was nothing but know. how many people were in there on a daily basis did they have a lower prices enough that people could still come in or what well it was it was uh yeah it was like four or five years before he was able to it was it was a while but the way that the restaurant stayed open was privately it was between the between uh, friends and top customers, there was a loan involved because otherwise it would have sank. Well, John, I, when yeah. you go to the movies like the, uh, you know, the Grape Seraph and those kinds of flicks, and they, you see the people at the farm and they take the farm and the kids are crying and they throw the, all the possessions out back and people are there picking through it and buying it. Once that's all over and you get in the car, if you could, and you left, was there was there any any loans that followed you? There was no such thing as bankruptcy. To, once you move to another state, you you start over or what? Yeah, I mean, you, your creditors really didn't, didn't have much of a shot if you moved out of state, and and there's still, you know, there's you, 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 you don't get immunity certainly, 
Yeah, not with the way things work today. But you could pretty much, you know, wipe your slate clean. And there was enough, you know, mobility at that point where, you know, the creditors who could have pursued you were already insolvent too. So that there wasn't much of a mechanism to go after the people who had been. Yeah, what happens you know, if the bank? I mean, what happens if the if the, if the bank is is out too, and, and your mortgage? Does that mean your mortgage is? It's not like today where they they get it to somebody else, but if the bank's just gone, who who holds the, who held the mortgage? Yeah, well, the, you know, the mortgage would have been if, you, if they took it over in foreclosure. The mortgage would have been, you know, merged with the lender's title. But if the lender was bankrupt too, or insolvent, and then you know you could pick this stuff up at fire sales, and you know, but it, it, the values all through the '30s, you know, I, they really they stagnated. You know, they they didn't rise. I don't think until after the war. So you know, if a lender was stuck holding a property that had been taken back in a bad mortgage, um, if the bank was able to survive, they got tenants in there and charged rock bottom rents so they could cut their losses. And you know, sweat it out until prices came up a bit. And then they try to sell the property, maybe sell it to the tenant under you know reasonable terms, and, and give them a mortgage if they were back on their feet. I think some but of the was a bit- well, some of the money for the war started earlier because I know my uncle was working at the Pullman plant, which was making tanks for for Britain in probably thirty seven, thirty eight. We were we were already building stuff, war materials, and selling it to Britain and France earlier, weren't we? Yeah, it's, I think you went back and look at like steel industry, yeah. coal, things like that. There, there was um, th- that business was, was starting to move. I mean, it, it, it didn't translate to, to prosperity among the average you know population, but yeah, there was there was tr- tremendous appetite for that. But there were there, if you were near one of those places, there were real jobs. Chicago, yeah, probably came out of the the idea that uh, just we're going to go to break here, but the idea that. Uh, and you know December, which by the way, I forgot to mention Pearl Harbor last week, which I've never done before. The idea that we were absolutely asleep, and then Pearl Harbor happened, and all of a sudden the next day, you know, we started pounding iron for ships and planes is total BS. We were, we were, we were pretty much in. It, they'd already got rid of the old time generals. I mean, Marshall already done a lot of that. There we were already a lot of stuff were on the drawing board, and we were actually producing stuff for France and Britain and selling it to them. Yeah, they they already had a draft. My uncle was drafted a week to the, well, like six days before Pearl Harbor. So it was first ba- day back from Fort Sheridan to spend with his parents after he'd been inducted as Pearl Harbor. So, <laughs> they knew there was going to be a need for the draft. They'd ask people to register for it in the 1940s. I know Audrey's dad said that the uh, the guy who was in charge of the draft on the south side was the biggest crooks you could buy. You could buy your way out, even oh. though. Don't get me started on the draft boards. <laughs> oh, God. SP Futures down 415 as he was on 35. Be right back. Audrey Johnson as well as John Flanagan. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. At Burn on the Board, SP Futures down 375, Nasdaq down 30, down a little bit, but not enough that we we can't come back from that. We can we can surely come back from that. This positive uh, market environment we are now in over in Asia. By the way, I forgot to mention private equity firm is trying to take Macy's private. Uh, they're talking about 21 bucks a share and it closed like at 17 so mm. not another company, but somebody, some private firm thinks they can do better. Well, maybe they can. Uh, in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 43, well, it's 1.5%. Hang Seng down 132, that's 0.8%. They're buried under 17,000 now at 16,201. Shanghai up 21, but still not back to 3,000, 29,91, so uh, mainland China is still kind of in a hurt over there. I just hope it doesn't get so much worse that it starts taking other people with them, but Russell seems to think it might. Uh, DAX up 18.1%, FTSE down 35.5%, GEC around up 29.4%, so muted and mixed in Europe. Uh, bonds up 2 basis points, 2.4.27. The Bund up down 1 basis point, 2.2, uh, 2.26. Uh, Jap- Japan unchanged at 0.76. On Friday is a day of review. Uh, uh, Dow was up 130, S&P up 18, Nasdaq up 63. So it was a you know it was a solid week last week for sure. Oil up a penny now. They were up more earlier. 71.24, Brent up nine cents, 75.93. Natural gas down 19 cents, 239. It was over three dollars a few weeks ago. So I think everybody's thinking we're having an El Nino winter, a mild winter, which taking his natural gas prices down. Our Bob unchanged at 205. Gold. 
uh, down 350, 2011, struggling to stay over 2000. Silver down 5 cents, 23.23. Copper down 3 cents, 3.80. We got Bitcoin, whack, whack, whack here today. We're down uh, almost 1,800 bucks. That's over 4%, 42,104, which is kind of strange because the dollar is not even moving. It's almost unchanged against the euro, 107. And the British pound is, uh, well, pounds up with the dollars down a hair against the British pound, so it's 1.257. A lot of stuff there, man. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Traffic, open, open. <laughs> Wide open, yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.36 a.m. on December 11th, 2023. Uh, inbound Kennedy from O'Hare to Jane Byrne is currently at 23 minutes. Uh, outbound of Kennedy, though, uh, left lane is blocked due to a car fire. Uh, just before East River Road, uh, stop and go traffic for the time being. So wide open, but lots of flames out there, so watch out for that. Uh, as far as weather in Chicago, currently 27 degrees, a high of 36 today. Uh, mostly sunny skies, but still pretty cold. Uh, tomorrow, similar conditions. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, mostly clear skies, 43 degrees right now. Uh, high of 71 and sunny skies for the day. Uh, NHL yesterday, Blackhawks lost to the Capitals 4-2. to as well as the NFL, Bears beat Lions 28-13. Justin Fields scored two touchdowns. Uh, Bears are 5-8 this season and placing last in the current NFC North standings. As far as tonight in the NFL, Titans play Dolphins at 7-15, and Packers will play Giants. Why do we have the two games tonight? What's the... Uh, what's Seems the... Those are the only ones going on tonight. I know, but usually there's only one. Yeah. Let me check it in there. Yeah, it just seems, I don't know. They're throwing both at the same time. Uh, 7.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. Which uh, one do we get? I suppose probably the Packers, <laughs> I would guess. Probably the Packers, yeah, more than likely. Yeah, that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. So we have Audrey? We do. We actually have. Hey, Aud, how are you? Audrey and Nancy. Audrey and Nancy. We have both ladies and Jan. We do indeed. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we have Jan or they gang up on me. I'm just going to listen because I want to hear both. <laughs> They'd be ganging up on me if we didn't have Jan, so... Ladies, take it easy because I have, I have an ally here. <laughs> That's a good thing. You need one. Yes. Nancy? It's only up till now. He's just switched. Oh, God. What? Uh, it's, it's hard. You know, you guys always you, you always all outnumber me. You show up at like five and, you know, you're, you, you know whatever. Takes you that many to take me on. What can I tell you? Um, hey, so what's going on in, in your guys' world? Nancy, you go first. What's going on? They, they, all they do is talk about prices of coming down on mortgage and Everybody's a gag. Is it, is it helping anything? Oh, well, yes. I mean, it it does help, but it's not it's not enough. Let's put it that way. It's not enough. It's not enough to move the meter where people are out looking or buying. Well, Bobby, so, what's your opinion? Yeah, what what are you thinking? You know, what? I think that Nancy's right. It is definitely slowing down the traffic. Uh, I'm lucky enough that I've still been pretty busy. I've had some things going on, but you know, coupled with, you know, this holiday natural kind of seasonality slowing down a little bit, uh, we, we don't have the cheap interest rates that was propelling the market a year round uh, by, so we've got that slowing down, lack of inventory uh, and the high mortgage prices. So that definitely has uh, quieted down a little bit. But so you know, but you know, there might be opportunity for that buyer to, you know, maybe get something um, at a good price. Now you've got a little more bargaining room on some houses now. Well, I'm still seeing multiple offers on prime properties, though. I will say that. Well, Nance, what where where are we from the, the tippy top, which nobody borrowed at, uh, to now? How much how much are we down? What, what was the top tick on the mortgages? 
probably somewhere people were in the eights. And now we're. And now they're down maybe around like seven, six point nine nine, somewhere in there. What is so that? So it's, it's dropped about a percent, good percent. What's well, a hell of a lot better than eight? Well, I mean anything's yeah. better as long as it's going it's going in the right direction. But it's it's just nobody really wants to move during Christmas. Um, nobody's even focused on that right now. But January might hold a lot of promise because that'll be you know everybody's first chance to get back out and look around. How many of the? Uh, yeah, I agree with I agree with Nancy. You get that right after your unofficial start of the season after Super Bowl, and especially if the weather cooperates, then and we ticked out a little because Nancy, didn't you say we we had actually seen something at like six point nine nine for a day or two there for a little point line, so you had a really nice little drop in. I think if we get back down around six six and a half, the market will just I think we'll start. You know, it'll just it'll go. It'll it'll start moving again because people still have to live somewhere, and people there is a big segment that's moving in and out of the market now. So I think it's, I think I still think it'll be a good spring with a little help. What um, Nance? We've talked in Audrey too, I mean, that is, we have a whole whole smattering, not a smattering, but a whole boatload of people that are, are locked into their three three and a half, and as long as the world doesn't change, nobody's divorced, nobody croaks, nobody loses their job. Um, everything's fine, as you say in the trading floor. Let's all keep our hands in the boat. Don't rock the boat. Is that is that still? I don't see a lot of boat rocking going on. I don't see people losing their job. I don't. I don't mean. I don't, I don't see a lot of that kind of people that absolutely have to sell or get a new mortgage. That everything's still pretty steady for most people. Seemingly, it is. I believe so. I believe the people have their hands in the boat. They're not rocking it. I, I think a stunning fact this weekend was I talked to somebody about. Um, getting you know buying their home da 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 and the woman stated that she spends unknown to the husband who's on the phone that she spends $500 a week on groceries to feed a family of six well I don't I don't I I don't that's not surprising me yeah I I mean I was I was I was shocked I, I was just shocked when she said the husband was like what did you say but I mean you're asking questions to make sure that they can make their best choices and she said that she has a hard time holding it 500 well i make sense could you imagine feeding you if you need milk and and produce i mean i can i remember when i used to be able to shop for myself for 50 bucks a week but if i'm going in to get even basic necessities it's hard to get out under 80 to 100 bucks and i'm not talking about you know eating filet mignon and lobster either right but I was surprised. So that's 2000 a month right there. So, I mean, that's just a new figure for me. And uh, make sure that I ask everybody, you know, what are, what are you spending on groceries? Because they've got to eat, right? I mean, you've got enough for your, your payment and um, insurance, and then we don't count anything else. Well, now you got to start saying, hey, how much is this? Because you kind of got to have that. And are you comfortable wow. spending that? That's a number. That's a that's yeah. Amazing. I was shocked. It threw me for a loop this weekend. I was like, "Wow!" I didn't realize. You know, I mean, that's I, a lot for anybody, yeah. but the average person—that's a lot of money for food. Yeah, I, I can't think of another time. Maybe, maybe you do, but where where people's grocery bills was equivalent to their monthly rent. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean that's I, kind of where we are. 
but I mean, I, I've got to ask it because I'm saying, okay, if you're used to spending this, you know, if you're used to spending a thousand dollars a month, now we're going to bring up the house payment two thousand dollars a month. Okay, just I say, just out of the blue, like you're asking me, should we do this? We've got you know so much coming in. What is what is this X factor? Because I know even for myself, it's getting to be crazy, right? And she, that's when the wife said, "Well, I spend at least I try and hold it at five hundred a month." Maybe the guy and, should, maybe the guy should go with her once in a while. Well, the, the husband said that they're not really um, having fabulous meals, and um, I'm sure they're not. She's so finally I asked her. I said, "What did you used to spend?" And she said, "About two hundred a week." I mean, she said it's just it's all just gone up crazy. Well, and, you, you know, I'm a. I'm a voracious shopper because I'm still, I still cook in the office. It kind of relaxes me after the show, but plus there's still no place to eat around here, down in the South Loop here. Uh, the difference between what you you can buy and what if you just go there with your list is absolutely dramatic. It's absolutely dramatic. I mean, if, if you, I mean, I'm not going to teach this lady how to shop, but uh, plus you know when you're feeding kids, kids eat a lot, and if you're drinking milk and everything else, I mean, it's it's it, there's no yeah. s- substituting for that, but. You can, you know, if if you want to go in and see, you know, two for the price of one pork loin at a buck fifty a throw, and throw ten pounds of it in the in the cart, or or you can do the same thing with chicken and other stuff. If you you absolutely just buy the sales, you can do better. But then you're eating the same thing all the time too, which is. But if you go in and say we have steak every Friday, well, God, God love you. That could be a two hundred hour dinner. Yeah, no, the husband was saying that they're eating like he felt a lot of the same thing. So it was just an interesting discussion. Yeah. It was just something new that I threw in because they're saying, well, what do you really think? And um, that's when I threw it out there. And when they said that, I was like, oh, my God. Well, try and buy a bag of chips for less than three or four bucks. I mean, if you if you got kids that are that are popping chips and milk and all that stuff, that, that piles up like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, she said that her milk bill, she wasn't going to tell them how much it was. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah well, it's, uh, it, it's scary. And uh, I was just saying uh, earlier... That a lot of people they look at because I was you know I was bitching a little bit about all they do is talk about gasoline and yet come on, gasoline's fifty bucks a month one way or the other, uh, not total but in terms of where it goes, and yet there's so much hidden inflation. I think how many people when when you show somebody a house, matter of fact, uh, I'll, I'll throw this out there for us. She won't herself. She did something yesterday. It was pretty interesting. Some guy had a, a some people have a somewhat dated house, shall we say. Uh, one of her clients, I have no names or anything like that. And actually, she, there's a, a thing where you can remodel the rooms and show everybody what it looked like if it was all remodeled. I thought it was pretty neat. Oh, for virtual staging. And But if you head over to the, the wherever you're going, uh, Home Depot or Menards, and all of a sudden you start picking up gallons of paint at 50 bucks a throw, the, the cost of remodeling, well, I guess where I'm going here, both of you ladies and Jan, is people don't, there's inflation out there that you don't even know that's there. Unless you need a car, you're not going to know how much a car costs. Unless you need a roof, you're going to say, "Wait a minute! <laughs> Ten years ago, the roof was ten grand. Now it's forty. I mean, the the stuff that you haven't even thought of is a lot of where the inflation is. I think, at least with food, it's bad, but it's it's right in front of you. But there, there's hidden stuff. God help you if you make a quick room. Uh, you know, if you if you need five stitches in the emergency room when your hospital doesn't co- your hospitalization doesn't cover it, what's that going to be? Five grand. I mean, some- oh, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, I think I just think that it's it's so hard. You know, even if you you're running along and you have a good job, and I think you we're just talking about having jobs. 
I think we've been fairly lucky here in the Midwest. We haven't, but the people who have seen the you know the lot loss of a, a lot of tech jobs, I think like California, you know, there's a lot of cutting back with uh, some of the big tech firms. So a lot of those people are looking for jobs. So you'll see where people are hurting in some areas. We still have the jobs and everything, but I think the average person is just you, to your point, Tom. When you go out and you buy something that you don't normally buy, and you're like, what the yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's it, it's going to be almost unsustainable. You're just shoving, of course, which is the middle class, which takes the hit all the time. You're getting shoved farther and farther down the chain here because you're making the same amount of money, even if you have a tiny raise, it's not compensating. So you're scrambling to stay in the same place, and you don't have enough money to do it. I may ask you guys a question, uh, you young la- young ladies. I've I've, I've kind of uh, thought you of. Uh, Actually, you're the one that's infected me with this a little bit. Uh, and then I saw the thing. Beg your that, pardon. Uh, well, the thing that zeroed me on the top was a lady who sold the, I've said this before, sold a stock in uh, in uh, Las Vegas Sands that's, to me, pretty high priced. And I won't say don't sell it or anything like that because of me. Uh, and she essentially took $2 billion out of there and threw it in a bas- basketball team. Well, it's, and you've mentioned a couple times that you have people that have sold a place uh, you know, reg- regular worker worker bees, not you know rich people, that have sold a place for, say, four hundred, and turn around and buy another place for you know four ten or something, and they don't. You, 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 it's like making a, a stock option trade. Are you making a trade? What's the difference? I had this place, now I want that place, and the, but the people that you described to me, the thought of putting, if they ever, ever put four hundred grand in front of them on a table, it, the thought that they just spent that. It's people are losing. Some people have so much money now in some areas that they're losing track of what it even means to other people. Or am I way off well, base on this? I think that's very normal with with higher bracket people. I mean, that money is just money is just another tool. It's not some. They have enough of a uh, of a padding that it doesn't matter. So I mean, that's but that's a different world. I mean, the average person, I believe. Truly, I mean, I, even people around here, the few that I've had that, you know, have spent seven figures out of house, they're very aware of what they, things cost. And a lot of times they have that money because they're very aware of what things cost and how they made their money. So I think it's only that real rare stratified air kind of person who can go, yeah, whatever. Um, I think it's, it's also, I think, the South Side thing. You're still pretty darn careful with your money down here. Well, when I was at... Well, when you or you don't get these stories, Nance. Fortunately for you, the uh, you could make twenty grand there on the, on the assembly line if you worked a couple days overtime. The chairman made two fifty. Uh, was McDivitt for a while the astronaut, and then he he retired, and some other guy got it. It, it wasn't like the dude sold you know Pullman stock options for like one hundred and twenty million dollars or some crap. The guy made two fifty. I mean, the, the 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 idea that there was that group of society that had so much cash that they, what is this stuff? We'll you know burn the hundred dollar bill to light the cigar. I didn't see any of that, and now it seems like it's it's there. I mean, some people have so much they don't even know what it is. It's like monopoly money almost. Well, I think that's just the way of the world, Tom. There's always been exceedingly high, exceedingly low. And I'll tell you what, anybody who's built a company from nothing, I'm like, you go for it. You know, well, I, yeah, I, I wish I had did the same, but I think that it's. Uh, I think you know it's a bigger segment of society than it used to be. I think there's more billionaires now in the world than there ever were. 
but I I don't think it has a lot to do with the average uh, Joe walking around the street. Oh, well, that's good. So Nance, uh, so if we drop another point, does that mean uh, all hell breaks loose again? Meaning good all hell breaks loose? You guys are all busy. I, I think it just means the purchase market will pick up. I don't think anyone's going to be refining for that. No. What do you What do you I think? Mean, what do you think? Somebody who's got the three and a half percent just just has another little a little offspring, and they need another bedroom. When when are they When are they willing to give up? Will they give up the three and a half for five? If they really need a place, probably that would probably be true. If they if you need it for a reason, like you're saying, you have more children, that's that's a, a good reason to go. But if people can make it work, they're going to make it work. What's three yeah, percent to seven percent uh, for mortgages? It's a big reach. I mean, there's there is no there's that there, yeah. You know, why would you move? I mean, I'm lucky enough to be sitting at that point in time myself. So. You know, I might look around and say, wow, look, that's nice, but there's no real reason for me to move. What I do see a lot of is the cash buyers moving, even lateral moves. The, the seniors are taking their big house that they don't want anymore, and they're moving into, not downsizing necessarily, but getting into the townhome or the condo where they just don't want the yard work or anything like that. They don't want to give up luxury or size but they don't want to do uh, as much exterior work. But they will take that cash from there, and they'll just flip it right into whatever else they're buying. John, you have any questions? I'm going to give them all. What do you got, bud? Well, I, these cash buyers, are they are, are they pulling money out of, you know, savings they have, or are they, are they just flush? I mean, do they have some kind of um, plan about you know, possibly depleting some of their retirement money to do this or do they have money to spare do you think you know what John most of the time I've seen that they have money either from a savings but most of them are taking their paid off house that they've had for ever uh, and just taking the cash from that house and putting it mm -hmm. in the next house so that, that slice of the population is probably well poised right now to at least do a, a lateral move you know, if they want to stay in the same price range, um, they don't have. It's interesting to down yeah, anything, that they're. So. It's interesting. They're uh, a lot of seniors don't choose to give up. They don't want to give up a big master bedroom. They don't want to give up a big kitchen. And I've noticed the builders have started to reflect that more and more. You're getting a much more luxurious type build. Before it used to be, oh, you got you know, two bedrooms and, and uh, maybe a bath and a half and a garage and. Uh, they were thought that would might make the seniors happy. Uh, it's not so much anymore. You're, you've got a much more vibrant, active senior uh, group there that's accustomed to nice things that they want to keep them. So it's kind of an interesting different class of retirement housing forming that I see. So for younger buyers, do you think there's any kind of profile for why they're looking for a house when they are? I mean, is this is it? job related is it school related is it family planning because they're, they're having more kids or is it just they have to get out of you know, one taxing authority and get into another one is there a kind of typical you know this is kind of an unfair question but but you see people kind of falling into categories of why they're looking for a house these days no i, th I think you're absolutely right and you know what it's like almost that group you're, you're talking about 
it's almost all of those reasons at the same time. And because, you know, it's almost your natural progression. You're, you get out of high school, you go to college, then you're, you know, you're working, you might get your first condo or apartment downtown, but then all of a sudden, you know, you meet somebody, decide, you know, you're going to form a household. So you're looking for a place to be. And as you get more established, you're like, well, I don't want a little uh, apartment. I want, you know, either a penthouse condo or I want to go out to the suburbs. I want a yard. I want a dog. I want horses like me. Uh, so you get, I think you just get a natural age progression that changes. I mean, you get a mentality in the 20s and 30s where they're they're having kids. They're, you know, forming households. And I think if you, you're just going down the path of, what happens then they stay there 30 40s 50s 50s 60s they start thinking oh do we want this house so the the wave just keeps going you know as progress you progress so i think we've got the group now that you know that is aging now into their late 20s 30s and i think that they're they've really sped up in the last couple of years all of a sudden they're like yeah we, we we do want a house we do want something of our own so I see a little bit of tide turning. They're a big force in the market now, and uh, but buy more. And they're the ones I see that aren't aren't as uh, uh, they're looking at the seven percent. Well, I want a house. I'm just going to get it anyway. Well, the uh, number came out nationwide last week, and uh, I ask you guys if all well, the three of yous uh, that the average person buying their first home has gone from. I don't know if this is the ne- this might be the last decade. Went from 29 to 36. Is that happening here, or is that different here, you think? I don't know, Nancy. I think that's about right, because you've got to remember between the recession that, you know, you know is still in the, that you know, rearview mirror, and, you know, people living in the parents' basement, and then COVID slowing things down to a point, all of a sudden people are like, I'm ready. I want, I want, I want my house. So I think it delayed things a little bit, but now I think... I find that accelerating myself. I don't know, Nance, what do you think? No, I think you're right. I mean, I do. I think you're right. That's the best way I can answer that. So you're saying that 29 to 36 or 35 is probably correct, but in the last year it might be sneaking back down a little. Yeah. That's or interesting. adding to it. You know, it's starting to grow more. Okay. What do you think, Jen? With it, that number that nationwide, does that affect, is, is, I guess, is it, is there a, a distribution to it? Like, is it more in California? Is it more in here? I mean, I don't know. I'm asking. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking you know, housing starts are down nationwide pretty substantially. Um, so I, I think that that has you know, created a kind of dearth of properties, you know, that normally would be up and running and, and attracting people in, into the housing market for a first home or second home. Um, I got to believe that. You know the age at which people are going to be doing this um, kind of house search is it's got to be increasing because of that. Just because there's, there's few, fewer houses for them to choose from, uh, and there's other people you know not in that same age bracket who are you know in there as well. And I, I think it's kind of you know it's a tough time to be you know starting out and looking for something that you can afford and not pay through the nose for it and maybe not be happy and it just but you got to get something at this point i just i just think it's going to be you know more likely they'll be older before they undertake a search like that 
A quick question, if, if, if Jan or Nancy knows the answer to this, if, I, if somebody dropped, you know, $2 billion on me and I've, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a, a, a section of housing, if I wanted to finance not only my, you know, maybe I'll buy the land, if I want to finance the building and also finance the purchasers at some rate, if I get a decent rate where they can get a mortgage, you know, through me or through the company or whatever, how far in advance is willing somebody willing to guarantee that rate? It can't be very long, is it? No, no one can. Well, you can't even really do that any too much anymore. Okay, you can't I mean, even do you it. Buy down the rate for them. Give them, you know, you could say, listen, I'll give you ten thousand dollars on every home to buy down your rate, but that's that's something totally different. So I can't I say it's in, in 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 a year and a half or two years I'm going to have. 20 houses up, and by the way, your rate's going to be 7%. No no bank will do that now, you're saying? Correct. Correct. Well, that makes it easy. No, you can't do that. No. I think it's got to be hard for builders to stick to any kind of timetable these days, too, just to, to find, you know, a, a block of of you know, time where they can get, you know, unless they got some sort of a captive industry of roofers or, you know, plasterers or drywall people that are, are there on call all the time. Um, I, to get these houses finished, I mean, I, I think of the stories Dan Janitas tells about trying to get his roof fixed down in Florida. Yeah, you know, wait a, a year or more, and I think th these builders must be seeing problems that they can't deliver houses on the same kind of tight schedule like they used to. Well, my uh, real quick, and then we, we'll dash my my first backer on the floor. It's nineteen eighty one, right? It was a guy from Wilmington, Delaware. It was a massive remodeler and builder, and I said, well, you know, I've done a little bit of remodeling. He goes. Uh, did you do you got like any full time employees? I go, well no. Well then you're a rank amateur. <laughs> he goes, if you don't if you don't have guys that are working for you full time that you pay forty hours a week, you can't schedule squat, basically. And he was right. You know, you gotta be your own I mean if you're big, you gotta be your own full time people, right? You probably have, you have to yeah. have two, three carpenters on staff and electrician and stuff that are your guys. It's hard to do. You gotta be a big company to do that. Yeah. A year ago, they had it where you could only, you know, if you ordered your l lumber, um, the price only held for seven to ten days. That was it. So you'd have it delivered and sitting there. You had to pay for it. You had to pay for it. Yeah. And, you you know, you couldn't order in advance or anything like that. I mean, you had to take delivery within seven to ten days of the day of the order, and you had to pay for it. So you need warehousing wow. and all the other stuff. Well, Nancy, yeah, so I mean... Thank People building that really discouraged the builders because they couldn't oh, even yeah. what they quoted didn't work. God. Well, Nance, thank you very much. Good stuff, John. Thank you as usual. SP Futures not only down two, Nancy Futures down eight. We'll probably be up today. Uh, everybody back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit.
we don't need 